0: I want to talk to you about the miracle of the overcoming life, the miracle of the overcoming life. I love the word overcomer. Everybody say overcomer. And I want to go to John chapter 16 verse 33 because this is Jesus the forerunner articulating something to us and he's explaining some things about his earthly ministry. He's he's given the why of his messages to his disciples. Um, And in that context, 2,000 years ago, he's explaining some things, but he's also explaining some things to us. And he says, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Can I hear a big, fat, honking hallelujah? Hallelujah. I mean, that ought to bring some joy to your spirit, some security in your outlook. Um, Because Jesus is saying, here's why I'm teaching what I'm teaching. I'm not teaching so I'm so philosophical. I'm not teaching because I I, I get uh, titillated by people paying attention to me. I'm I'm not some sort of a power seeker. You know, he, he said, I'm meek and humble of heart. It was the opposite of that. His whole reason, he said, I only do what I see my father doing. And, he, and what the father sent him to do was to rescue sinners from the pit, to break the devilish bonds of wickedness off of Lucifer and his evil spirits and create a new system of things so men and women could connect with God and with each other, liberated and set free. Why? Because he, the son sets free, is free indeed. I'm excited about this. Uh, Let's go over and look at Romans chapter 8, verse 37. Romans chapter 8 is so great, so don't hesitate and don't be late and don't negate. I broke out in a pretty good rap there. Romans chapter 8, verse 37 says, But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. He said, I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us. Look at this. You wonder if God loves you. You wonder if you're in or out. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Period. End of sentence. End of chapter. Hallelujah. Mic drop. (laughs) Romans 8 starts out with no condemnation. It ends up with no separation. And it is chock full of the miraculous and the supernatural. In fact, in verse 2 of chapter 8, it says that something called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus actually lifts us up and sets us free, one translation says, from the vicious circle of sin and death. I was watching one of these YouTube um, uh, shows with, uh, uh, with the kids, and it was amusing. It was, you know, the, these gerbils were on this gerbil wheel, and they just kept going and going, and then one ran into the other, and then they flipped and they shot out of the gerbil wheel, you know. And it reminds me of the vicious circle of sin and death. It's a vicious circle. But the only thing that could really liberate us from it is something called the law of the spirit of life. There's something that's actually the spirit of life. Jesus said in Romans, or Paul said about Jesus in Romans 6, that he's lifted us up and raised us up to walk in newness of life. That's good news, man. I said, that's good news, man. And... We need to understand this. Go over with me to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. um, You know, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every fact be established. Theologians establish Bible doctrine patterns by making sure they judge Scripture with Scripture so that it's not lifted out of context and misinterpreted. We need to study to show ourselves approved unto God as workmen who need not to be ashamed, handling accurately and rightly dividing the word of God. So, here's another example. Let's look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, how many of you believe Jesus is the Messiah, is the Christ? I do too. Is born of God. There's a new birth that happens. There's a new birth. And whoever loves the Father, loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. Something happens in our hearts where we're ruined to sin. You know, we still, we still have flesh, so we still have to deal with impulse and the temptations around us, and that's an issue we deal with all the way till our last breath. But we're ruined to sin. It's no longer, I mean, sin is pleasurable, but it's like we're so convicted now, it's like, oh, Father, forgive me, Right? And so uh, verse uh, 3 says, For this is the love of God, we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Verse 4 and 5, I want you to pay particular attention to. Whatever is born of God, what overcomes what? The world. A lot of people are upset about what's going on in the world right now. In education, in business, in the economy, over in Europe. Europe in the pandemic and all the issues in the microbe world of, of, of viruses all these kinds of things people are concerned about in the world and yet he says right here whatever is born of god overcomes the world and this is the victory that oh has overcome the world what our faith trust in jesus commitment to the lord receiving being receptive to him acknowledging what he did on the cross understanding the scriptures, taking hold of these promises, understanding the Holy Spirit is here to help us. He's called alongside to help us. We've got the word as a lamp to our feet. We could open up its pages. I had no clue what the Bible was about before I got saved. I even tried to read it. It was King James, and it had red letters and indexes, and I would try to read it. I couldn't understand it. My brain would lock up, And uh, but when Somebody introduced me to the author of the book, things started to make sense. Initially, I didn't overnight figure everything out, but I've been growing ever since. and I just feel like I'm just learning, and don't you? I feel like I'm learning some things. I'm growing in some things. And it says in verse five, who is the one, ask the question, who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? The answer is, We are the overcomers. This is the miracle of the overcoming life. And uh, I want you to write down some notes. These are three things you need to to, to really grasp. Number one, discover when you're going through a battle, discover the origin of your battle. Uh, Figure out where where your battle's coming from. Um, I want to tell you there is a devil who is an enemy of your soul, who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he's fighting you, even right this minute. But you have to understand, God's not putting things on you. God's not putting garbage on you to teach you something. He's putting information and direction in front of you to help you to fight. He's giving you armor, the shield of faith. He's not leaving you powerless. He's not letting you just take sucker punches because he, he, he relishes it. He's not a sadist. And he doesn't want us to be masochist. He wants us to understand that we fight the good fight of faith and that it's a fight that we win. He is, he, and the devil is the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus is the one who comes to give abundant life. Number two, build yourself up in God. Spend time with him. Read his word. Rejoice. Smile. Constantly give thanks. We did that in praise and worship. It did a lot for my soul to stand at the altar with some other folks and hear them singing praises. And then I heard myself singing praises. I meant it, and they meant it. And I I watched all around me, different ages, both genders, uh, people in different life experiences. But we all come together. We all have a story. We all have a testimony. We learned from our guest speaker the other day from from Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And they overcame him the devil, How, by three things. Number one, the blood of the lamb. There's power in the blood of Jesus because that sin-canceling blood, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. With the shedding of blood, there is forgiveness of sins. We saw an example of that in a prototype in the animal sacrifices at the Temple Mount in the Jewish context. And, and and then that was just to set us up to see that when Jesus died on the cross at 33 years old, he died so we could live, and he died so that we could have overcoming power. Number two, because of the word of their testimony. But principally, the word of our testimony is I testify that Jesus came to change our lives, and that is my testimony. And then I have personal experience of Jesus being the Redeemer, and I could apply that to so many different specific things, as can you. And we therefore overcome by the word of our testimony. We learned a lot of that last week from our guest speaker. And then number three, and they did not love their life even when they faced death. That's overcoming. When you just get where, you know what, I'm not afraid of dying because I know that, when, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, and even when I die, I live, and uh, that, that, that takes the morbidity out of it. That takes the insecurity out of it. That takes the, the nebulousness out of it. It's like, I know what's going to happen. That's why when John Wesley was dying in 1751, and he told his kids, he said, rejoice and you know be glad. And the same thing with D.L. Moody. Some of the people, the voices, like the Billy Grahams of their generation, uh, there's something powerful about, and profound about their last words. I've been with a lot of people at the very end of their life. You would think that's morbid. You would think I'd be depressed about it. No, I'm not. Because I watched the elegance of God's people in that transitional moment. You know, there there was a couple, Fred and Mary Ellen Rupp, and they had grandchildren. The granddaughter got saved right here at the altar when she was in her 30s. and, And Fred, who had been a Christian since 1925, said, I've been praying about this for 35 years. She gave her heart to the Lord. She's still serving God. She's, she and her husband, her son. And, uh, but the, they, had another, they had another grandson and he was a little bit more reluctant. Well, Fred died uh, in the hospital. I watched his doctor walk into the hospital, kneel by his bed and weep, saying how much of a privilege it was to get to be his doctor. Indian man, a man from India had an encounter with the gospel through this, through this guy. And then his, his wife his wife lived for a couple more years, Mary Ellen. She was wonderful. She, was a, she said, sometimes I pray eight hours a day, Pastor Jeff. And I, I just saw how precious and important that is. And then uh, she, as she got ready to pass, I happened to be at her deathbed, and her grandson said, based on how my grandparents have faced death and how they've died, I'm going to become a Christian. So I turned to Mary Ellen and I said, "Mary Ellen, and it's the last moments of her life. She could. She was. She was conscious." I said, "Mary Ellen, this is what your grandson just said." She raised her hand and smiled. Went home to be with the Lord. A little while later, there's power in the blood. There's power in testimony. There's power in just not worrying about your existence. They're, 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 you just get. You, you, you could watch the news then and go, you know what? When I see these things, I lift up my hands because my redemption draws nigh. We had a staff prayer meeting, and one of the, the, the staff members was praying about the light that will shine in the midst of the darkness. And I, I just feel we need to understand that. I love the miracle of an overcoming life, don't you? I go to a church where one day it was dry, the next day it was full of 10 feet of muddy water. And God brought us through that so many decades ago at this point. I've watched God provide victory over and over and over again. Number three, I want to encourage you to keep walking. Keep pressing on. Say, I press on. on. Now, there's so much I have for you that I want to share with you. But uh, I, I, I just want to take time at the end of the service to pray. And I actually want to call you up to the altar as we get ready to, uh, to end the service tonight, I want to use our faith for breakthrough and for overcoming in whatever you're facing, whatever you're dealing with, maybe alarming symptoms in your body, maybe difficulty in a relationship in your family, maybe you're really struggling and concerned about your finances, it, 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 or just you're seeing, look, I just talked to my neighbor. I told him I was his Uber driver for church. I've been witnessing to him for like 15 years and he, he just had a bypass, triple bypass. I said, don't go dying on me, you're my favorite neighbor. And he laughed, you know. And, uh, and, and, and I, you know, I, I'm trusted God for my neighborhood. I'm trusted God for St. Louis area, Chesterfield, Wildwood, St. Charles. I believe in God for this region to have a touch from the Holy Spirit. And including all these Flags and all these people. There are hundreds of millions of people on the planet. Swedish people in Sweden. Norwegians up in Norway. Finnish people in Finland. And on and on and on. I'm believing God for souls to be saved. I'm believing God for the glory of God to come on the earth. Now, there are notable characteristics in a fallen world. So we don't sit in our context and feel uh, like... This is something new. There's nothing new under the sun. So as I'm talking about being an overcomer, I want to just tell you, Jesus said, I told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Look, there are many, some theologians look at things in dispensations, seasons. And... uh, There are notable characteristics in each one of the seasons. Uh, One of the most amazing seasons was the dispensation of innocence, which was the pre-fall glory in the garden. When God said, let there be light, and there was light. He created the moon for night and the sun for day and oceans and trees and all the beauty of creation. He made humanity in his image. And uh, there was like a wonderful, healthy, healthy, probation period for Adam and Eve it was beautiful but then because free will and choice was provided because God loved us so much he didn't pre-program us as automatons or robots he gave us choice decisional tragically Lucifer slithered into the garden humanity took the bait and we all sinned and fell short of the glory of God that's the dispensation of conscience from the, it was from the fall of man to the great flood there was a flood God saw humanity it was a stench in his nostrils he called out a man named Noah he said Noah he was righteous in his context he wasn't perfect but in his context he was, he was right before God in, in that context and God called him out and he said I want you to uh, I want you to build an ark. And in Hebrews 11:7, Noah was respectful to God and responsive to his leading. And by faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence, prepared an ark. In reverence, he responded to something that had no precedence. For the salvation of his household by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. God is looking for people in today's world to respond to him and I intend to be one of those. How about you? And in reverence I want to yield to him. So there was that and then the number three was civil or, or the human government period after the flood. That's when uh, there was the implementation of capital punishment. That was the first time people started eating uh, uh, chickens and having, chi- uh, having fajitas and stuff. And then uh, number four, uh, the dispensation of promise. So that was from Abraham to Moses. God made a covenant with Moses. God downloaded the law to... Or made a covenant with Abraham. God downloaded the law to Moses. So from that period... It's called the dispensation of promise and it's a foretelling. Someone greater yet than Moses is coming but then the law came through Moses from Moses to the crucifixion of Jesus. People were obligated to live compliant with and under the law but the letter of the law kills but the spirit gives life. So uh, the law is a tutor that leads people to understand, I can't comply or fulfill all these laws. If you break one, you've broken them all. And there was this uh, built-in, not really planned obsolescence, but what it was was a built-in awareness. God was basically saying, Your righteousness are like filthy rags. You you cannot earn your salvation. You don't deserve your salvation. But guess what, I'm rolling up my sleeves and I'm gonna give you the biggest gift in the history of anything that's ever happened. And that was the dispensation of grace, the church age where Jesus was crucified. He was buried, but he rose from the grave. Then he dispatched and sent his Holy Spirit. This is the age of the Holy Spirit, it's the age of grace. It's the church age and that's what we're in right now and we're about ready to come into a place where there will be a period of tribulation, then there will be a millennial kingdom, and then there will be, after a thousand years, an eternal state, which will be what the Bible reveals as the final, eternal, awesome, major, beautiful thing. One day we'll all be in that dimension, and it'll be, it'll be a, a whole, in the ages to come, we'll be rejoicing, probably louder and better than ever hallelujah i was listening to a pastor that i think is is really a a fatherly godly pastor and he he made this 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 statement and i want to i want to read it to you he said the number one job of the holy spirit is to deal with anybody that has come to make you uncomfortable now, I don't know if that's accurate, but that's what he said, so I'll just tell you what he said. He's going to deal with it. He was talking about God's vengeance. Leave room for the wrath of God. For those, for those who are in the, in the purpose of God, you, you, This is for we, we, we abide in him and obey him and, and, and commit to being an overcomer. Let me ask you, how many of you want to see the miraculous overcoming life in more abundance and more frequency in your situation? Jesus said, I spoke these things to you so that in me you'll have peace. He said, I've, I've equipped you with this information so that in the world you'll have tribulation. But it says, take courage. One translation says, be of good cheer. I think courage and cheer, cheerfulness are kind of synonymous. When you have courage, you can laugh. When you have courage, you can relax and enjoy and rejoice and have peace, right? They kind of all tie together. And uh, that, as you and I, we are going to fulfill our destinies. There have been a, there have been strong men. There have been demonic spirits that have been trying to delay us. Some of you should have already had buildings by now, promotions by now. There has been spiritual resistance that has been working against you. Whatever has been coming against you, this is the last day it's going to come against you. God is giving in this hour the knowledge. Everybody say knowledge. knowledge. And you need to know that even if you go into the worst situation, Satan cannot touch you. Zechariah 2.8, when the devil tries to mess with you, you have to remind him that he's touching the apple of God's eye. I watch these young parents with their babies and they hold their babies with such adoration and such significance. It's a holy thing. It's beautiful. I just love to see the devotion and the and the appreciation and the affection and how much more God holds you to his heart and regards you as dear. You as citizens of heaven, you as sons and daughters. You you as Join heirs with Jesus, you as the redeemed of the Lord. John called you the beloved, yes. beloved. And uh, Isaiah 54, 12, 17, one of my favorites, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. I love what it says in Genesis 12, 2 through 3. God said to Abraham, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you. Look at what it says in verse 3 and make your name great. Look what it says in verse 2 still and so you shall be a blessing and I will bless those that bless you and the one who curses you I will curse. Now this is what God said to Abraham and we are in a better covenant inaugurated on better promises so you know the Holy Spirit has your back big time so that, that's what the Lord is saying, He's, he, he, that whatever your destiny is, you and I, we will fulfill that destiny. Amen. Nothing is going to harm you. The Holy Spirit's main job is to execute vengeance upon all the enemies of God's people. So the Holy Spirit is going to be guarding you. The angels are going to be standing before you. Don't be concerned about it, about hurt, harm, accident, or danger. God's going to take care of every one of them. Now give God some praise because this is what the Lord is saying. When that pastor said that in his context, I bore such witness to it. I paused and I wrote it down because I felt like it was a real word from the Lord. Not only in that context, but everybody say, I'll take that. So, amen, baby. Take what? Take up the whole armor of God. Take what? The acknowledgement that the angels of the Lord are encamped around us and they're doing something serious about your case. Take it that the Holy Spirit is there called alongside to help. Right? Everybody say, I'm more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer. I know where my help comes from. I know who my enemy is, and I'm going to keep pressing on. No weapon formed against me will prosper. I have the victory. I'm walking in the victory. When I pray, my prayers get answered. I release my faith to the God who calls into being that which does not exist. I walk by faith and not by sight. I am determined to see God's will come to pass in my case, in my family, in my church, in my generation. Years ago, a pastor from Seattle visited Wendell Smith and his wife Jenny, 1999. He prophesied that our church was an Esther church, and I knew exactly what he meant. Because in Esther chapter 4, Mordecai spoke to Esther in his, in, in, in his observation, he said to her, um, who knows whether you have attained royalty or have been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. He brought us, in, he brought in their case, there was this moment where so much wickedness. See, we think wicked, we've got the market cornered on wickedness right now in our generation. No. Soon as Adam and Eve fell, things got crazy. Nimrod and people wanted to build a tower of Babel was the first institutionalized humanism, secular humanism. We don't need God. We're defiant. We're going to make a name for ourselves. We don't need his material. We'll make bricks. We'll do it with man-made materials. Basically uh, shaking their fists at God, ignoring him, belittling him. Uh, And God had to deal with that. And he did deal with that. Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian system—it was godless, it was wicked. They did crazy stuff. They built giant uh, idolatrous uh, statues. He said to the Hebrew people that were in exile, "Look, if you don't bow to these, we're going to throw you in a furnace and and burn you." That's that's weird. That's cruel and unusual punishment. And God, yet God was there and delivered those Hebrew children. They threw Daniel into a a lion's den full of hungry lions. I don't know if you realize this, but those lions in that part of the world, they're like six feet long. They're hundreds of pounds. They're huge. And uh, bone crushers. And, but yet the, the angel, God sent an angel and the angel shut the mouths of the lions. The next day, the accusers were thrown into the the same pit after Daniel was pulled out and, and they were being eaten before they hit the floor. So God knows how to vindicate and work things out. The Pharaoh, you look at ancient Egypt with all of its sophistication. There was some crazy stuff. When the Pharaohs would be buried, the, his, their wives would be thrown in the, in the, and sealed into the tomb alive. That's, that's weird. That's weirdo stuff. That's psycho weirdo. I don't care how pretty the hieroglyphics are. I don't care how pretty the sculptures are. That's weird. That's the fall. Roman Empire, a thousand year reign. Wow, sophistication. Senates and systems and democracies and philosophies. They were weird, man. They would eat and go purge. They, you know, they were crazy, man. They would go, they'd, they'd build buildings and they'd get Gladiators out there, and they, they would watch for blood spore to watch them slaughter each other. Like, the, uh, crazy. We think a hockey game's rough. You know, I went to a hockey a fight, and a hockey game broke out. But, but I mean, they're, they're mild, man. That's mild stuff. At the end, they're all hugging each other, toothless and black eyes, but they love each other. But Rome was, was nutty. And, and, you know, as it was in the days of Noah, so too shall it be when the Son of Man returns. And um, they'll be eating and drinking, and giving in marriage. Things will just be sort of this same old, same old. And yet, there's a breed that God perpetuates throughout the ages that are adherent to him, that are reverent toward him, that are seeking after him, and that are called the redeemed of the Lord. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith, who has overcome the world but he that believes Jesus is the Son of God. This has helped my wife and me through many, many battles. This has helped us to overcome protracted challenges and trials, attacks on our family, issues in our home, issues in our, in our own physical bodies. God has brought us through so much stuff. How about you? And uh, so I'm grateful. I'm excited. We've been through a lot of seasons we are, I'm convinced, are on the tail end and, and, and many ministers that are, are, are co- commenting about these days today think we're transitioning out of one ep- epoch and one, one dispensation and into another. It's quite probable we're closer to the end times than anybody has been ever in the history of the world. And what do we do with it? We, we roll up our sleeves. We do what the Bible says to do we we continue to love one another we continue to build up our faith we continue to pray trust god we we keep him first we stay in his word we we recognize that we have a destiny we know we'll fulfill it we know no weapon formed against us will prosper we know jesus will cause us to triumph he said i will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it i love the body of christ with all of its differences and I, I am confident that God has a plan for the entire spectrum of the body of Christ throughout all the nations, every time zone, every place around this world. He has created it for his glory. The, although the small g God of this world uh, has uh, blinded the minds of the unbelieving. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, the devil is the God of this world. I understand that. I know there's something called the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience in Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, but But I get back to 1 John chapter 5 verse 19. We know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And yet greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And so we stand and we fight. Some of you have come in here having just had a challenging week. Some of you have been through difficulties that just don't seem to reconcile. There have been periods in my life, you can ask my wife, you won't need to because I'm telling you, I didn't think anything correlated. I had to look it up in the dictionary, but I thought, God, whatever it is, it's, it's not tying together. I felt like there was such a hodgepodge, and yet I buy into the idea that God works everything after the counsel of his own will. I, I, I buy into the idea that we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God and for those who are called according to his purpose. I, I remember meeting Dr. A.R. Bernard from the church in Brooklyn. I met him in Africa. We were speakers at the same conference. He wanted to talk to me. He talked to me for over an hour and a half, two hours in his room. When when he heard about what had happened to us, it was 1995, we had just come through two years of serving in the valley, getting the flood cleanup all done. And and, uh, he wanted to interview me and he asked me a lot of questions. And then the next time I saw him, he said, I spoke about you all over the country. I said, what? You know, I hope it was good. But what, what what he was talking about was the testimony of how what the enemy meant for harm, God turned around for good in our case. And God opened up a door that no man could shut. And God gave us such favor in the midst of a natural disaster. And what what was so overwhelming was the greater one got us up on top of it and gave us wisdom on how to love our neighbors. He gave us strategy. Supernatural prophetic strategy came before I even knew what to do. Noah did not know what to do except I'm going to build an ark. And for 127 or so years, this old man built an ark. For the saving of his family. I I remember I had just an inkling, just a sense, some kind of transitional thing. In the regular averageness of just going through the routine of endeavoring to you know pastor a local church, but yet the the Holy Spirit was saying there's some additional things I want to bring to you. And in that, that moment, he 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 chose not to disclose detail until I needed to know the detail. And I know he spared me overthinking it, worrying about it, losing sleep, trying to do it in my own power. Yeah. Because Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6 says, it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Yes. He says to Zerubbabel, you're going to stand in front of these mountains and with shouts of grace, grace, you're going to command these things to be removed. Right. You say, man, I believe that, Pastor Jeff, but man, my life doesn't quite substantiate that right now. There. The, 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 this has been two years of a global, did you remember, Pastor Jeff, this has been two years of a global pandemic They told us to shut church down? The, the, you know, the whole conflict in society, it's accentuated so much con- uh, conflict amongst humanity. Yeah, but yet the Bible says we are to let the love of the brethren continue. It's a non-negotiable. While the world's biting at each other and hostile about every little petty little thing. And it seems like division and and divisiveness have have, have amplified. Nothing's new under the sun. Ancient Egypt, the Roman Empire, Babylon, it goes on and on and on. History repeats itself in cycles over and over and over and over again. But his story never changes, never fails, and his purposes You watch, you mark this word, it's going to come to pass. Jesus is coming back and he's coming back to a glorious church and he's coming back to a glorious church without spot or blemish. And he says, when I return, am I going to find faith on the earth? And it's a resounding answer is yes. And so what we're doing is we're not talking ourselves in or out of anything. We're not just kind of trying to glaze over and ignore problems. The true Christianity is, we, we have to be the most realistic people because we face the reality that apart from Jesus we'll go to hell, sin separates us from God. That's a harsh reality and we don't ignore that. And we recognize it and we recognize how depraved and how messed up humanity is and that how, yet how great our God is in the midst of all this surreal spiritual conflict and all these fights. But in all these things, we're more than conquerors. In all these things, we're overcomers. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony, that we don't even care that much and don't worry. We're trusting God. We are believing God all the way to our last breath. And then to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Let's all stand up on our feet. I want you guys to make your way up to the altar, and I want to pray with you. I want everybody to make your way up here. There's plenty of room for you. And uh, we're just going to spend a moment just in prayer. It's only 8.48. And uh, so we're going to trust the Lord for the fulfillment of the destiny that's on each one of our lives. Say this with me. I have a destiny. I have a destiny. God has a purpose for me. God has a purpose. For my kids. My kids. For my neighbors. my neighbors. My neighbors are coming into the kingdom. My city, my county, this region, covered by the blood of Jesus, I believe for a great harvest amongst the lost and a great revival in the church, in the body of Christ generally, in this church specifically. We must have you. We need a move of your spirit. God we are open to you we want to be reverent obedient willing and brave you spoke these things to us so that in you we would have peace you said in the world we would have tribulation but we take courage we are of good cheer because we have overcome the world This is the victory. Even our faith. I have faith in Jesus. The King of kings and Lord of lords. Who died on the cross. For my sins. He was buried. But he rose from the grave. He ascended. Seated at the right hand of God. And he is coming back. Hallelujah. Now Father I thank you. On each and every one of us causing adjustments causing causing clarification I'm asking God that you will give a spirit of wisdom and revelation and a clear and concise knowledge of you I pray we would approve the things that are excellent everybody kind of lift your hands up like this just to yield just help me out I just, you don't have to if you don't want to but I'm just asking you to just open up to the Holy Spirit Look to Him as your helper. He has your back. He will perfect that which concerns you. He opens a door for you. He's given you wisdom tonight. Who in here needs wisdom tonight? I do. I'm making a lot of decisions. And I, I want to make quality decisions, Lord. Help me to approve the things that are excellent. Help me to prioritize by heaven's standard. Help me not to fear or be distracted. Help us to be fixated and focused on you, Lord. Hallelujah.